All right, we're recording. Uh, let's say a brief prayer, kids. Father, we thank you for this class and uh, for the children. Pray that uh, they might gain a better sense of what it is to profess faith in Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're going through the membership vows. Um, and we, let me turn that over. We are doing uh, five, there's five membership vows, so I've decided we're going to do five classes and we'll only do the first five chapters in this book if you happen to have it or your parents are reading it. Uh, so chapters six and seven, I'm actually going to skip. Because um, the first five chapters have to do with the first five vows. And then the next two chapters are good, but I don't think they're necessary. In the sixth class, I have something kind of special. Um, but you remember, the big question that we're asking is, what is a Christian? And a Christian is someone who accepts and confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you accept him in your heart uh, as Savior and confess him as Lord, uh, you'll, you'll be saved. I think actually in my notes I want to read that passage. I'm fairly certain. Okay? So a Christian is someone who does that. Last time we looked at who Jesus was. Do you remember I said two things about him? Jesus is, Duncan? Man and God. That's right. Son of God and Son of Man. Okay, we're going to look at something a little different today. And that is... Uh, how someone becomes a Christian, okay? So we looked at uh, believing in the Bible, number one. Number two, believing in Jesus. But how does someone ever come to believe in Jesus? And so we're looking at the work of conversion. And in many ways, I want to tell you, children, that when you meet with the elders, if you say, I'm ready to profess faith, that's the big thing they want to know. Uh, not only do you read your Bible and you believe in Jesus, but that you are genuinely converted. Um, did, can anyone think of a passage where Jesus says you must be, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, what does he say? You must be born again. Is that what you're going to say, William? That's okay, buddy. You must be born again. He's talking about becoming a new creation. You are converted. You were formerly an unbeliever. Now you're a believer. Now, some of you might say, I grew up in the church. I've always believed. But at some point, God converted you, even if you don't know when. Uh, the point is, we are born in sin, and God must convert us. Uh, and there's three aspects of conversion that we're going to look at them all. But let me read the third membership now. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness, you abhor? Honestly, abhor means you hate. Do you hate and humble yourself before God? That you repent of your sin and that you trust for salvation, not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone. If you come before the church to profess faith, I'm going to ask you that question and you're going to have to say yes. I confess three things and there are three works uh, that, that happen in conversion. And if you can say yes to all these things uh, and confess uh, to the elders that these things, three things are present in your life, then, uh, then we would say you are, you've been genuinely converted by God. The point is, the natural man doesn't believe any of those things. The ma- natural man doesn't confess that he's a sinner. He doesn't turn from his sin. And he doesn't trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Only a new creation uh, has experienced and confesses those things. So, um, a real Christian has all three. This is what we call a genuine Christian experience. A work of conversion. Number uh, three things. Okay. The first is conviction of sin. Uh, 
which I would call the first work. Let me read it again. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness you hate and humble yourselves before God? It says abhor, but I'll say hate. Do you confess that? In other words, do you have a sense that you are a sinner? I sometimes will ask the kids at the table, who's the greatest sinner at the table? And the younger ones will usually point at someone else. A conviction of sin says, I'm the sinner. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said in uh, First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, when he says, it's a trustworthy saying, deserving full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And what did he say next? And you know I was a pretty good guy, but he saved me too. Is that what he says? He says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the chief. Do you remember what, the, what the, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector? The tax collector prays, God, I'm such a good guy. I thank you. I'm not like this guy. But the, the, fair, the publican or the tax collector says, uh, be merciful to me, the sinner. I am the sinner. So when God begins to deal with you, when you have what we call a spiritual awakening, you begin to have a sense that I am a sinner. Not my brother's a sinner. My sister's a sinner. My parents are sinners. The world's sinners. That's all true. But it's the sense that I am a sinner. And that I am wrong with God because I'm a sinner. You know, Paul used to think that he could be right with God because he kept the law. That was when he was a Pharisee. But when he became a Christian, what he recognized was that he was a sinner. He wasn't righteous. He was a sinner. Who is a sinner, by the way? What does sin even mean? Sin is... Uh, yeah, James. Right. It's breaking the law of God. You go through the Ten Commandments and tell me which one you've kept perfectly. You better not say I have. <laughs> yes, William. None of them. But see, it's more than just an intellectual. Well, I know that I don't keep the law. It's a sense of it. It's a sense of a burden. Do you remember in Pilgrim's Progress that Christian had this burden on his back and he had to get it off? If you've, if you've read Little Pilgrim's Progress or Pilgrim's Progress, that was his first problem. I, I think the Puritans used to call this compunction, this awful sense of the burden. Until you get that burden off, you can't be at peace with God. Oftentimes, this sense of conviction comes through the law. But sometimes it comes through the gospel. Sometimes we realize how good God is to us, the Son of God becoming the Son of Man, that in His presence and at thoughts of Him we become convicted. Do you remember when Peter, Jesus performed a miracle on the boat and Peter said, Depart from me, for I'm a sinner. Get away from me, Jesus. He was in the presence of the gospel and the good news and he sensed his own sinfulness. And so there's different ways it might come to you. It might come reading the law. It might come by the gospel. But the point is, it is something you will experience. You begin to sense that you are dealing with holy things. But the problem is that we are unholy. Who is holy? William. God. But I am unholy. That's the problem. That's the bad news. I am unfit to dwell in the presence of God. It is a genuine, I'm going to use a big word, it is a genuine despondency as to self. I abhor and humble myself. Why? Because, Grace, 
I am a sinner. That's it. I hate myself because I'm a sinner. Oh, that I could be righteous like God is, but I am not. And so there's a sense of despair because of my sin. Thank God that's not the end of the story or we would all be lost. You see, I'm doing on time. Only eight minutes, so we're doing good. Well, it doesn't end there, okay? (laughs) That's just the first work. The second work is the work of repentance. Because I'm a sinner, I must turn from my sin if ever I hope to be saved. Yes, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, but he also, in forgiving sinners, says to them, go and sin no more. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness, you abhor and humble yourself before God? You have a sense of conviction. Number two, that you repent of your sin. What is the work of repentance? This is something that you will also find at the beginning of the Christian life, although it's always present. In fact, all of these things are always present. We always have a sense of our sinfulness. We are always repenting. In fact, Martin Luther in the number one thesis said, remember the 95 theses, he said, the whole of the Christian life is a work of repentance. We're always turning from sin. But let me be clear to you what turning from sin involves. If sin is this way, and I turn my back on it, where am I going now? Well, I'm repenting, William. Where am I going? Don't know. It's okay, Ellie. Heaven is a good answer. Uh, it's, a, it's a turning from sin, let's say, well, no, we need to put sin at the bottom. Okay? Make this easier to, to grasp. If sin is down here, and that's where I am going, repentance is going to God. It is a turning from sin unto God. If you can't see that, there is I, there is sin. I don't just turn from sin and I'm going nowhere. I'm going to God. It is a turning from sin unto God. But how is it that I can find a merciful God as a sinner? What do we find about God as we turn to Him? Lily. Okay, Darren. Oh, is it Ellie? Who went it? What do we find out about God when we turn from our sin unto Him? Lily. That's it. That was the word I was looking for. He's merciful to those who turn unto Him. And so as long as I'm walking away from God, every thought of Him terrifies me. I find in Him a wrathful, vengeful God who will throw me into hell. And He will. But as soon as I turn to Him, I discover His mercy and His grace and His love. And so that brings us to the third point. We're not complete with conviction, conviction and repentance. Number three is saving faith. Conviction, repentance, and saving faith. Again, do you confess that because of your sinfulness you abhor and humble yourself before God? Conviction. That you repent of your sin? Repentance. And that you trust for salvation not in yourself but in Jesus Christ alone? It is a turning from self unto God. It is a trusting no more in self because I know I am a sinner and looking for God to be merciful in whom? No, that's to you, but in whom? In whom does God display His mercy? Yes, William. 
Jesus. And when I believe in Jesus, guess what happens? You're saved. God forgives me. And now you have a whole life of repentance and faith and conviction ahead of you. All these things will mark out your life. God is merciful in Jesus. What is saving faith? Let me read the shorter catechism. 86. I wish I had it memorized. I think I do, but let me just be sure. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he's offered to us in the gospel. Well, where is he offered to us in the gospel? Where? Where do we find Jesus offered to us so that we might believe him? Ellie? In the Bible? And, Duncan? In the preaching. In the preaching. He's offered to us week after week after week. The question is, will we trust in him or will we trust in ourselves? Let me read it again. And that you trust for salvation, not in yourself, but in Jesus. What is the problem if I try to turn from my sin unto God in myself? The problem is I'm a sinner. That's the problem. But God is righteous. God is merciful. And he displays these things to us in his son. And so when I receive and rest and accept him, as the confession says, for salvation, then I am saved. And so the great work of conversion is having seen that I'm a sinner and having turned from my sin, it is discovering in Jesus Christ the mercy of God. No longer is God vengeful and full of wrath to me as a sinner, but he's full of mercy, grace, and love. And as I come to him through Jesus Christ, trusting in him alone for salvation, I am saved. That's what a Christian is. The question is, is that your experience? Can you say, yep, sinner. Yes, by God's grace, I've turned from my sin. And yes, I am trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. Not in myself, but in him. That's the question. Jesus Christ, based on what we saw in the last lesson, is there any other Savior? Please say no. (laughs) There isn't another Savior in all the world. Uh, He's the Son of God and the Son of Man. He is perfectly God and perfectly man. And so he lays hold of us both. He can lay hold of man, but he can also lay hold of God. He is the one and only Savior. He is the only one who can take a sinner and reconcile him to God. When you say, I trust in him, then you are saved. If you have, if you have those things, if you have a sense of those three things, again, then we as a session, we as elders will say, we believe you're a Christian. And it's your duty to join the church. We're right at 15 minutes. It really is just as simple as that. Little children. I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. I trust in Jesus for salvation because of who he is. He's the son of God and he's the son of man. He both lived and died for me. And now he reigns in heaven. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness, you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin and that you trust for salvation, not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? Are we clear, children? I'm I'm keeping this very simple. Uh, and we're not looking for a theology exam. If you, if you decide, you tell your parents, I want to meet with the elders. <laughs> we're just looking for you to state these simple truths to us and see if you really do believe them. If you're not sure, it's okay. There's no pressure. There's no rush here. Uh, so remember, I had to clarify this with my daughter. We're not clarifying whether you're a Christian. 
We're just clarifying whether you're ready to join the church. You might very well be a Christian, but you're not quite able to express it. And that's okay. Uh, but when you're a Christian and you're able to express it, then it's time to come into full membership of the church. Uh, so I don't want you to feel a lot of anxiety about this. That's what I'm saying. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time of teaching with the little ones and ask you that you might give to them uh, a conviction, repentance, and saving faith uh, and an ability to express these things. For we are sinners and we are in need of a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Savior. Amen.